Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Up Podcast. I have Joey Livingston on in this episode, and we are discussing the Colorado Wolf Restoration and Management Plan. It is definitely a contentious topic, uh, one that folks are not excited about, or they are excited about. Uh, I'm sure my listeners here, I'm going to assume most of you are anti-wolf, but I think it's important to realize that we've gone, we've done what we can. Uh, We've, uh, if you've gone to the listening session, the the public comment period, you've, you've been allowed to make your comments. You've been allowed to vote. I voted as well. Uh, and, And at this point it's, now written into law that these things are coming despite whether there's some there or not so please look at this with an objective lens and say okay this is what what we're dealt with um now what uh how how it's being approached and uh um yeah they're i mean they're a cool species think of it that way it's another species uh, and, and as hunters and sportsmen um i'm pretty sure we all like wildlife we we really appreciate wildlife we like them uh this one just comes with some different different challenges uh same with with the lynx the lion mountain lion uh bears man i love bears and predators always get a lot of attention in in the media as well as um amongst sportsmen's groups but um i mean I love bears and I'll go back to that. They're such a cool species. I love eating them. I love hunting them. I love seeing them. Uh, and, uh, and maybe hold one day we're looking at wolves the same way. Um, maybe not eating them, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, it, 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 give this a listen with Joey. Joey does a great job breaking down this management plan. Uh, give him a couple of tough questions. Uh, and, uh, we, we, we chat it out, find out what this plan can consist of. Uh, and answer some of my questions as far as the funding, how wolves are funded, and uh, recovery goals, how how that's that's uh, accomplished. So, I'm sure you will have some follow up questions. So, ask them, 
maybe not to me because I'm not going to have the answers, but uh, uh, reach out to Colorado Parks and Wildlife and ask those questions. And again, thanks as always for listening. Uh, Give this one a full listen. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Up Podcast. I have Joey Livingston on again from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. He is the statewide public communications officer and has been with the the, the division for, for some time and seen a lot of a lot of the policy changes and the, the works that have happened. And you guys are a part of a pretty big deal and a contentious deal. A um, Some people are celebrating, some people are frustrated, uh, and, and we kind of talked last time about how this would be another conversation. Well, it might be a conversation and a half. So uh, thanks for joining me, Joey, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you about wolves. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. So um, if you're wanted to learn more about Joey in the previous episodes that we did. Uh, you can hear that intro there, but we have so much I want to tackle, so we'll just jump right into it. Uh, so I, the, the elephant in the room with this discussion, the wolf management plan, is that, and everybody says right out the gate, we already have wolves that are here. Why do we need this? And I think I can answer that. It, it seems to me that... Well, the the breeding pairs were coming in in that process of it getting on the ballot, and uh, the it was after some of that 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 vote and so on. But those, whatever the timeline is, it doesn't matter. the The comment I've seen uh, CPW put out is that it did not satisfy what we have there does not satisfy what the voters requested. And once things get on a ballot. I mean, we can't just say, oh, it's, there's wolves here already. Uh, it was voted in. So by law, CPW has to introduce wolves and to, to increase that. Do I kind of got that correct or what would you add to that? Yeah, that's correct. You know, as a, as a state agency, um, you know, we have to follow the will of the voters and, uh, the voters, um, you know, directed us to develop a plan to restore and manage gray wolves, um, using, best uh, available scientific data and to establish and maintain a viable self-sustaining wolf population in Colorado. And so um, throughout, you know, the planning process of that, um, we uh, worked with the Keystone Policy Center to hold um, a bunch of public meetings, um, appointed two advisory bodies, one uh, technical working group uh, with wildlife professionals um, that contributed scientific and policy expertise and uh, you know, helped set um, management strategies and population objectives um, to meet those recovery goals. What a process! Uh, I, I listened in as to a few. I mean, they're all on YouTube, so you can go back and watch the the commission meetings. And so I watched a a, a few of those or pieces of them because they're long, and a lot to lot to absorb there for content and. Man, you can get in the weeds quick. You can get in the weeds with uh, how can they be called to? Can you be in a campground howling? Because can you it, with an intent to bring one in? Can you? It just the 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 in the weeds stuff. My gosh, which I suppose that's why this Colorado Wolf Restoration and Management Plan is two hundred and sixty one pages long. 
there's a lot that has to be dealt with. So uh, my goal and my ask when we started chatting about this was, could we just do a summary of this? I know 99% of us are not going to read it because, I and I will admit, I haven't read it. It's 260 pages long. I don't know where to start. Uh, and I never have time to sit down and read anything anyway. So I, I need help. And a lot of the voters and sportsmen would really like a summary of this to, to break it down. Uh, and so I'll just turn this over to you. If you could help us walk through kind of what this plan includes uh, and, and, and break it down for us. Yeah, so um, I'll kind of give a uh, summary of kind of the planning process um, going into this first. Um, and so um, a big majority of the last part of um, that 260-page plan is uh, the recommendations from our technical working group and stakeholder advisory group. So it really kind of, you know, um, expands uh, the size of that document. Um, but, you know, as, as we were saying, um, you know, the Colorado voters uh, voted in Proposition 114, um, which directed CPW to develop a plan to restore and manage gray wolves in Colorado using the best scientific data available, as well as hold statewide uh, hearings to acquire information to be considered in developing a plan, um, taking into account scientific, economic, and social considerations uh, pertaining to such restoration. And so, as I said, we um, uh, appointed two advisory bodies. One of those was the technical working group, um, which are wildlife professionals from all over the country. They, they contributed scientific and policy expertise. And then we also appointed a stakeholder advisory group. Um, this one was very important. It brought together um, wolf advocates, sportspersons, outfitters, livestock owners, and some members that represented multiple perspectives um, to help address some of the issues around uh, management, like lethal and non-lethal non -lethal, uh, measures um, as appropriate. And so uh, during that, you know, the technical working group and stakeholder advisory group, um, they were instrumental in CPW developing a draft plan. And we presented that draft plan on December 9th um, to our commission. Um, so once that draft plan uh, was submitted, uh, we held a series of public meetings throughout um, January, February, and March, and uh, heard uh, feedback from uh, over 400 um, people on their concerns with the plan and uh, changes that they wanted to see. And so throughout that process, we held you know, a bunch of commission meetings, the ones you're probably um, referencing there. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, uh, you know, our commission heard from the public and made uh, recommendations on a final plan. Um, there were some changes that were made before a final plan um, was submitted. Um, and that plan, the final plan was uh, approved um, unanimously by our commission. Um, on May 3rd. And so we are pushing forward with that with that plan, and we believe that it um, developed a science-based approach that incorporates the biological needs of wolves and the social concerns of Colorado citizens. That was a, a vital part um, of, of developing that plan is to incorporate both biological needs and social concerns. And uh, so just some of the, you know, more important um, 
you know aspects of the plan it's it's a very thorough um well thought out plan so uh won't get too into the weeds but sure um you know a, a big part of the plan was to make sure that we're working to minimize wolf related conflicts with domestic animals livestock um, other wildlife and people and uh coming up with a depredation compensation plan um, was a big part of the discussion um, throughout those public hearings. And uh, we did raise some of those comp compensation limits throughout the process. And so the current plan um, allows for compensation for livestock and guard dogs up to $15,000 or fair market value. Um, we also uh, include allowing um, reimbursement for veterinary bills um, up to $15,000 on a separate cap um, in case you, know, you have a live, livestock that gets injured, um, you pay a bunch of money for vet bills and it dies anyway. Um, we have separate caps um, to allow adequate compensation there. Um, we also created compensation plans for missing livestock or decreases in production. Um, so if because there's wolves in the area, there's decreased uh, weaning weight rates, weaning weights, uh, conception rates, or other indirect losses um, due to wolves in the area, we have uh, compensation plans um, in place for that. And so that was a big part of, of the plan to make sure that you know, that there's not any undue burden put on livestock owners um, from losses to wolves. Uh, the plan also, um, you know, with recommendations from the technical working group, um, set uh, recovery goals. Um, so to you know, the, the plan is to uh, recover and maintain a viable self-sustaining wolf population in Colorado. And um, technical working group uh, determined that if we remove wolves from the state endangered and threatened species lists, um, that would meet those goals. And the, they did set some um, uh, population recommendations for that. Um, so to reduce wolves from the endangered, um, the state endangered to state threatened species list, um, CPW must observe 50 wolves uh, for four consecutive years and to uh, reduce them from threatened to a uh, threatened species to non-game species, um, we would need to observe 150 wolves anywhere in the state for two years or 200 wolves um, total. Um, so the plan is to reintroduce uh, uh, 10 to 15 wolves per year for three to five years. So the plan is yeah, reintroduce 30 to 50 wolves over that, that three to five year period. And uh, the plan does not consider any changes, uh, you know, any reductions from a non-game to a game species. Okay, so um, I'm kind of just breaking down these categories. The, the, the main one there is we have livestock interactions that we're working through, yes. uh, recovery goals. Uh, yes. Then the, I suppose the, there's a, a piece that's on monitoring the, yes, the yes. Yeah, so um, we also will be placing a GPS collar on every wolf um, that we reintroduce into the state um, so we can keep track of where they're at, where they're moving to. Um, the plan, you know, recognizes that um, wolves will move. Um, and we did, uh, as far as reintroduction locations, um, we created a 60 mile buffer from the uh, northern and western state borders and uh, the um, southern Ute tribes to the south, as well as 
southwest of the uh, 60 mile buffer um, from the continental divide in Colorado, which kind of breaks the state um, kind of in the middle there. Um, but that was uh, directed by the state statute um, to reintroduce wolves um, west of the continental divide in Colorado. Okay. Uh, so if you were to break this down with like just under 10 categories, livestock interactions, recovery goals, monitoring, education and outreach, funding, uh, I feel like I'm missing some more of the just regular management related stuff. Just- yeah, we'll also be conducting, um, uh, creating an annual report um, on those wolf populations that will present um, to the commission um, just to monitor how the efforts are going and uh, you know as far as tracking those wolves um, long term our goal is to have at least one collar on in each pack um, pr- preferring to have uh, two collars in each pack on on the breeding pairs and so there will be a thorough um, tracking and monitoring system um, of wolves um, as they establish in the state as well okay uh, is it all right with you if we dive into each one of those just with a touch more detail? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the order might be a little out of, I'll try to stick within uh, whatever order that makes sense. But uh, we already started on some of the livestock interactions because uh, I think that primarily with where the, the wolves are going in the northwest portion of the state uh, is primarily agricultural, um, natural resource extraction, all, all of those things are right up in that area, but a lot of ranching uh, in that area. So definitely brings about some concerns. Uh, what are some of those, walk us through maybe a scenario of how it could potentially work. Uh, say rancher Jim calls with an issue. I have a dead wolf or I have injured or not a dead wolf. That's a different, different situation. Hey, I have a dead, uh, dead cow. And, uh, um, what happens? What's the process? What has all used that as a, as a way to walk through this? Yeah. So, um, Colorado already has, uh, you know, depredation from, um, mountain lions and bears. And so that is something that our wildlife staff, um, is well trained to respond to, um, depredating incidents. Um, they also receive training um, in some other states um, to uh, learn how to identify um, wolf depredation versus um, mountain lion and bear depredation. And so um, the state statute requires us to respond to those incidents even now uh, within 24 hours and uh, to respond and gather evidence from the scene. Um, to determine, you know, what kind of depredation happened, if it was depredation at all. Um, a lot of times it could be, you know, something died and then was picked on by a coyote or something else. And so our our officers are trained to um, respond to those situations and um, do conduct necropsies um, and everything that they need to do to determine um, what actually happened there at the scene. Um, so our folks will be responding um, as quickly as possible um, to, to get out there and, you know, work with that landowner and see, see what's going on. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, didn't mention, um, you know, lethal management yet, um, but there are lethal management is allowed in this plan. 
Um, CPW wants to prioritize uh, non-lethal management first and try to do um, work with those landowners to try to install turboflagery um, or other methods to try to um, reduce conflicts, uh, prevent conflicts in the first place. And what, so, what um, is that turboflagery? Yeah, so that is um, it's uh, material that is placed on fencing. And um, it's something that just is unfamiliar and kind of scares wolves. It's been tested in other states and shown to have um, some limited success. Um, you know, there's other other options as well, but that, that is a major one that we're focused on. Um, it's something you can't leave up year round or, you know, they can get used to it. Um, but during calving season, um, if you put flags around the fence, um, it can be um, sometimes be enough to... Um, you know, deter those wolves from, from coming around. And so that we have, um, you know, programs to work with those ranchers um, to try to, um, you know, implement um, those those measures. Um, we also hired um, Adam Baca. He's a wolf conflict coordinator. Um, he's up, up working in the Northeast right now, working with um, those ranchers that um, have wolves in their area right now. And so a big part of, North, of what we do Northwest. Is, yeah, up in the Northwest. Okay. Um, and so a big part of, of what, you know, um, Adam's going to be doing and what other wildlife officers currently do is have relationships uh, with those uh, livestock owners, with those ranchers. You know, that's an important part of their job is to, you know, be on a first name basis uh, with those folks so that when um, incidents do occur, um, they can, you know, uh, respond directly and know, know who that landowner is. Um, you know, what kind of, you know, livestock they have. And so just having that um, direct relationship is an, an important part of what CPW does already. What other non-lethal forces are going to be used or tried, uh, attempted? And at what point and how are lethal options available? Yeah, so um, as far as lethal tools go, um, uh we do allow, we will allow it for chronically depredating wolves um, or active depredation in some situations. Now we are, um, we do need the uh, 10J ruling to get approved by um, the um, Parks and Wildlife or by the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service before we would have lethal management tools at our disposal. Um, but we're confident that that uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is going to approve that before we even get wolves on the ground. Um, so, uh, you know, we will also um, have programs in place to um, allow landowners to apply to get a um, permit themselves to lethally take wolves um, if we've exhausted um, some of the non-lethal um, tools um, so far. Will they be treated similar lead to the bears where, and, and I know trapping a bear is far easier by throwing stuff out, filling it with donuts and, and, uh, hopefully you got a, got a bear in the trap later on. Um, but will it be treated in a similar way with, you get problem bears, you get problem lions, you get problem those, and I would assume the same with, with a pack of wolves or an individual wolf. Uh, is that going to be dealt with in a similar way where, they, and I don't, I don't know how you do that if, if, uh, trapping is something that can't really be done as much, uh, like with the bears. 
Yeah, so it'll be, um, it's a, a kind of a separate, but a, a, a similar process. And so um, we're, we're using the term chronic depredation. So um, if uh, depredation keeps happening and uh, we've tried the turbo flattery, um, also things like shell crackers, propane cannons, fox lights, um, things like that. If, if we've exhausted those non-lethal tools, um, depredation keeps happening, uh, that's when we would step in and, and use that lethal management. Okay. And how is, how is up to 15,000 determined or, or some of those things? Is that just in that role of the, the officer determining what that damage is? How do, how do they figure that out? Yeah, we've, we've got those processes in place, um, already for, for, um, lion and bear depredation. And so it's based on fair market value of that animal. So if, you know, whatever, if that animal went to sale right then, um, you know, what would be the market value? So, you know, many of these, you know, depredation incidents won't get up to that $15,000 cap. Many of them will be significantly lower. And um, the original plan actually had an $8,000 cap, and we raised it to $15,000 after hearing feedback um, from livestock producers um, during that public process. Is that the same or similar to the other depredation costs, uh, reimbursements? Yeah, bears and lions is currently set at $8,000, and so this will be an increase um, compared to. Now, I know um, some of our folks, um, you know, you know, uh, would, would believe to raise that um, $8,000 cap, um, you know, because especially livestock owners, um, you know, some of their livestock is, is uh, you know, worth more than that. Um, but those uh, numbers are set in state statute right now. And so, um, you know, these wolf numbers were, were up for um, decision um, now. And so that's where we made that change um, to wolves, which is different than what we have for bears and lions currently. Okay. All right. Uh, that's good enough on that one. Recovery goals. Uh, and, and I've got a question on this. I know the, the term suitable habitat was thrown around a lot. Um, and seems to be one of those concerns as, uh, that's discussed and being on the ESA list, uh, the, and getting off of it, what is suitable, suitable habitat? Is it subjective to that? Uh, or is those numbers you gave me, the 50, the 150, 200, more just statewide? So how do we know if they're fully recovered? Um, and yeah, some of that, let's dive into the recovery goals. Yeah, so, you know, the wolves will move um, once we reintroduce them. The plan does recognize that. Um, and that's why we did create the 60-mile buffer um, uh, zones. And so, um, you know, we anticipate that they will move into some of those, um, areas and, uh, you know, that's part of having those, um, GPS tracking collars is going to be important. And, you know, we do, um, you know, uh, population, um, estimates, uh, for all, almost all species in Colorado. So that is a, a normal process that CPW goes through. And so, um, you know, throughout this, reintroduction um, we're going to be you know thoroughly tracking and thoroughly checking every year um, even now you know we're we're up there keep you know trying to keep eyes on the two wolves that we know are here and make sure that they're collared and we know where they're at and so um, you know that's going to be an important process um, um, as we move towards recovery okay uh, 
Yeah, that that would be my concern is is the uh, as they move. And maybe it's big migrations or movements distribution uh, across those, and and they move into another more suitable habitat. And uh, now we have well, that area can be filled. Well, then now that area could be filled up, and they find a new place that that we don't know for whatever reason we we dump them in a spot that just this is perfect it's perfect it's it's a long ways away from this and that it's a great location and for some reason they just don't want to stay there they want to go (laughs) somewhere else um so yeah that would be my my concern and i'm also kind of curious about how a location is going to be chosen on where to place those yeah we've we've chosen um not an, not exact locations. We're not publicizing exact locations, mm-hmm. um, but we do have a general general area where we plan to reintroduce them. And you know, it's it's very possible that those wolves don't want to stay where we reintroduce them. You know, they'll have just went through, you know, a, a tough experience being trapped and relocated, and might want to want to run off and not stay um, where we put them. And so, you know, that is. Um, uh, something that was recognized, um, you know, one of the advisory bodies that I mentioned, the technical working group, um, consisted of of experts, uh, biological experts, scientists, and so they helped uh, determine um, where that suitable habitat was and making um, those. We have um, uh, some maps uh, that we publicized um, showing some of those general locations um, and even have some um, resources that show uh, determination of, of what was suitable habitat and what wasn't. And so that was all part of the planning process um, with uh, with the technical working group was to try to determine um, where those areas with suitable habitat were. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I got a total off the wall question that just hit me. Uh, we we part of this plan is the livestock, the monitoring, all, all the things we've talked about, and sportsmen are involved, and the the non sportsman group, the anti group. But as far as when I was there in that state, and I voted on this as well, uh, part of the discussion was. Uh, very little discussion on some voters, a lot of discussion on others where I heard things like, Oh, wolves here. That'd be cool to see a wolf. Yes. Um, and the chances of seeing wolf, I think are, are very slim to, to nil, especially when there's only 200 or 50 or 150. Is there any discussion about recreation, uh, wildlife viewing, uh, of the species, people wanting to, come from the city to come come look for one is there any discussion on that uh, that would would impact those areas yeah i mean cpw's been developing resources to um to educate people on you know living with wolves um, in areas where, where there will be and we have similar resources for um, bears and lions as well and so um you know 
as you said, um, you know, seeing one is going to be uh, very rare, um, you know, similar to even, you know, we have lots of bears and some people still never see a bear. So, right. um, you know, it's uh, most people definitely won't see them. Um, you know, we're also not going to be publicizing the GPS data on where those wolves are um, just to prevent people, you know, seeing that a wolf was spotted here and trying to drive up and, and try to see it themselves. So we are going to be um, you know, holding back a little bit on exact locations. Um, but as wolves do become uh, more and step more established in the state, like I said before, we're going to try to have at least one collar on each pack and over time, um, hoping to develop um, maps, you know, like a, or I said, heard a pack. Um, <laughs> so we're going to try to yeah. have um, a collar on each pack um, and uh, have uh, uh, pack maps um, as well that you see in other states where we try to determine, you know, what is this pack range um, so that, you know, people can be at least educated um, when they go out and, you know, if they know they're camping in this area, at least they can be educated and know, okay, I need to be a little bit more careful because there's wolves out here. Got it. Because uh, I know even in the, the facility I work in, when a screech owl is spotted or a uh, wood duck is, is spotted or something, something kind of bird or something the the birders come out and the photographers with their big lens yeah. come out and they flock there they drive there quickly to go see what everybody's seeing uh, yeah. to get a good picture uh, yeah we see the same thing with uh, a moose in town sometimes right. you know we don't want to move them sometimes but sometimes it just becomes um you know so, so, so many people running down there that you know risk of someone getting hurt increases and we do have to step in and take action and, uh, you know, similar thing would, would be the case for wolves if, you know, they're moving into, you know, <laughs> you know, a downtown area, um, yeah. you know, we would have to step in just like we do with bears and lions and relocate them out of those areas. Right. So that, that hits on monitoring. I think we got a good, good grasp on that. Uh, education and outreach. You've got kind of those pieces there that you were just discussing on the, the maps and the on that stuff. Is there any other educational components we haven't talked about that are being considered? Um, we are working with um, some schools to do some school education programs, you know, educating kids is always important. And, um, but, but, you know, uh, we have, you know, a variety of resources and we do a lot of education um, around uh, bears and lions every year as well. And so um, moving forward, you know, wolves will be incorporated in, into um, all of our education and outreach efforts as needed. I, I've used some of the uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife School curriculum when I was a in the classroom educator. Uh, like the the species question was named one of them, and that was all around the Gunnison sage grouse. And uh, a lot of teachers look for like critter crates and that sort of thing. Are you guys looking at that those avenues of the curriculum, critter crates, and that that sort of thing for for teachers and, and educators to use? I do know we are, um, we are creating some curriculum and creating some educational videos that will be used in schools. And um, I don't know for sure, but I, I, I imagine we'll be creating, you know, uh, education kits as well. We have those for a variety of species. And that's, that's a great thing that I love about um, CPW is some of the education we work is just, uh, is just top tier. And some of the um, classroom materials that we support is, is really top notch. Okay. Well, uh, one of the last ones, uh, in the, 
in all this is the funding. And I think that's a, a pretty large one. Uh, that was my question right out the gate is how is this being paid for? Uh, I know when CPW did, I was not living in Colorado at the time when the moose reintroduction was happening. I was pretty young actually. Uh, oh, what year was that? I know 2000, early 2000s. Um, I think, I think moose began, um, in the seventies, I believe. Oh, yeah, I wasn't link, even alive. <laughs> I think lynx was kind of in the, in the early 2000s. Okay. Okay. Uh, I just had some data used in my classroom. That was my first activity of the year for my ninth grade science kids was to graph the moose population in Colorado, just doing some graphing practice. Yeah. And, and it, that data always started in 2005. Uh, so anyway, uh, that was one of my questions was, or concerns was, is the cost, the, the amount of money put into reintroduction of the lynx, uh, the, the moose work, uh, all of those sorts of things. And sportsmen are concerned that that's coming out of their pocket and $15,000 up to 15. Let's just say it's on average eight or 8,000. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of money yeah. where, Where's the funding coming from? Well, state statute um, uh, requires us to not use sportspersons' dollars for any depredation, um, uh, any wolf depredation uh, compensation. So, um, hunting and fishing license dollars um, will not be going towards um, any depredation compensation. Um, and so, right now, um, it's currently funded through the general fund. You know, this was voted on um, by the entire state. And so this is one of the few uh, scenarios where CPW is, is utilizing some general tax revenue. Um, but there's also a variety of other um, funding mechanisms that we have that aren't, um, that aren't sportsperson's dollars. So we have a species conservation fund, which is a severance tax on oil and gas production. Um, we also have a non-game conservation and wildlife restoration fund, which is... Um, uh, people can make voluntary contributions um, when they're filing their taxes. And we also have a, um, a wildlife cash fund that's funded through lottery dollars. Um, so lottery funds, a lot of uh, habitat work in Colorado. And, um, you know, to help, you know, address some of the, um, you know, concerns, uh, funding concerns, um, recently the state um, did pass um, two new bills that the governor signed one of them is a uh, creates a wolf depredation compensation fund, um, which is allocated from the general fund to pay specifically for those depredating incidents um, and pay for those, you know, up to $15,000 fees um, would be coming from that wolf depredation compensation fund. And then um, as far as uh, conflict minimization, which, as I mentioned, you know, non-lethal tools are going to be a big part of what we try to do to, to you know, reduce those uh, compensation costs. Um, the state did create a, um, a special license plate. Um, we do a variety of, of special license plates that you can um, purchase for your vehicle and um, supports uh, a different um, different efforts. Um, this one would be an optional license plate that would fund um, some of those non-lethal conflict reduction efforts. Okay. And uh, I've been direct result of uh, GoCo funding. If you haven't, don't know what that is, folks, yeah. look up uh, GOCO. GoCo um, is is lottery dollars, and uh, in the education world, they do some pretty cool things uh, with the Inspire grant. Uh, but 
was part of that and gave me a job for a couple of years doing some awesome outdoor education in Western Colorado. So I really like that. That created a great job for me and, and had COVID not been right as we were getting rolling with that, it could have been even better. So it's still, still kind of repairing that really jacked us up. Uh, but anyway, um, summarize then sportsman's, uh, involvement with funding in, and I would assume that is a lot of staff time, um, and staff positions because you've got staff positions that are available there. And I know staff positions almost have to be funded probably by, License dollars, oh, unless they um, unless they uh, get some some of the federal money uh, to to uh, code their time towards. Yeah, so none of the the federal dollars. It's just going to be the ones I mentioned, and kind of on the um, um, you know uh, internal sort of stuff uh, at CPW. Um, we have a, a variety of uh, ways to allocate our time and our timesheets. And yeah. so if we're, if we're working on, um, you know, this many hours on this project, we have a, a code that we use for that. If we're working this many hours on this project, we, we, you know, put that code in for that. And so that's, um, how the funding, you know, um, is distributed, um, you know, through, you know, through using those, uh, using those codes whenever we're actually, um, putting in our time. So if, uh, someone's working, um, time on, um, you know, wolf stuff that needs to come out of a specific fund, um, they would use that funding code um, to make sure that the resources are coming from the correct place. And that's been, has that been kind of, I'm assuming it has uh, budgeted out to kind of see approximate time and and already the time that's been used for, for the staff meetings, the planning, the, uh, without even having, the recovered wolves on the ground, all of that, all of those resources that are being used where you would be coding your time to wolf recovery. Has that been budgeted out and any ideas on how, uh, how any additional stuff is going to be recovered? You know, uh, you know, we're still developing, um, you know, long-term uh, processes for that. Um, as far as, you know, we have certain, um, you know, positions that are dead, like Adam Baca, Wolf Conservation or uh, Conflict Minimization Coordinator, you know, that's his primary job. Um, we also have um, several other staff that were hired on to work specifically on wolf efforts. And so there, the funding for those is, is um, you know, wouldn't be coming from um, sports horses dollars. Okay. Uh, next question would be uh, just how's CPW handling a, a lot of the or the, the lack of sportsman support on this issue. Uh, and I chatted with uh, Perry Will. I did an episode with him long ago, a few couple of years ago, a few years ago, uh, and chatted with him on it. And, and he is not not a supporter of, of, of having them around. Um, and uh, many sportsmen, uh, I, and I'm just going to stare, assume, which is not always a good thing, but uh, in – the circles I've been around, not seeing a lot of support from the sportsmen. How how is CPW handling that? Um, you know, CPW, we are kind of in the middle of of uh, some of these issues all of the time, and so you know, we uh, hear hear from both sides um, of a lot of these um, a lot of different topics. But you know, we did uh, the public comment periods where we allowed the public to come in and 
and voice uh, their concerns with the plan. And so during that period, we did hear uh, from people on both sides uh, of the reintroduction issue. And, um, you know, there were um, some sports uh, sports persons that supported the plan, um, but, uh, you know, many of uh, the public's concerns were incorporated into the final plan. And so, you know, part of, um, uh, of the planning process was to try to um, reach consensus um, on on a lot of these issues, and you know some people are are just um, not happy that the wolves are are coming here anyway. Um, but you know that is that is the will of the voters, and so that's what's going to be happening. And so once uh, once uh, people accepted that, um, you know it was just trying to come up with a plan um, that. Um, everyone, you know, could live with, you know, people did have to sometimes sacrifice um, what they, what they wanted, um, uh, what they wanted to see. And, um, you know, people on both sides of the issues uh, had to make uh, some sacrifices to reach that consensus. Um, and so, you know, some of the things that were um, removed, you know, some wolf advocates um, didn't like, uh, wording around designation as a game species, um, and so that was uh, removed from the plan. And uh, we also um, heard from livestock owners uh, that the compensation rates were insufficient, and so we increased those plans. Um, and you know, lethal management was opposed by many wolf advocates. Um, we're very upset with that, but um, we felt that that was going to be an important management tool um, for CPW have in its arsenal. Um, and we kept that in the plan. And, you know, lethal management was something that was um, supported by many sports persons. And so, um, you know, we believe this plan um, is the best available that we could do to try to reach that consensus and compromise. And with game species not being included, is it set up at all for any point in the next 20, 30 years? for this ever to be allowed to have hunters be a part of the management? Um, well, the current plan doesn't consider wolf hunting. Um, it's just, you know, to identify steps right. needed to recover, maintain viable um, wolf, uh, viable self-sustaining wolf population in Colorado. And, you know, we really can't predict what future um, Parks and Wildlife Commissions will decide to do once we do reach those goals. And, um, you know, classifying as a game species, um, it may even be beyond the authority of our commission and may require legislative approval. Um, and, you know, these considerations are, are, you know, not anticipated to take place until many years in the future, if at all. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, future commissions, um, if they gain proper legal, legal authority, um, it's possible that they, you know, classify them as, as a game species, but, you know, it's hard for us to predict uh, of course. the future or what they'll do. Um, but, you know, currently we're going to use all the management options that we have at our disposal, um, preferring non-lethal over lethal tools to manage in Colorado. Is there a date on this management plan? Say this is the, and I, and I heard the, the introductory or reintroduction of three to five years or so, but is there a, uh, end date at which this plan will be revised for the next five years or something like that? Uh, so we are going to be doing annual um, reports um, to the commission. And um, I don't know the exact dates, but I do know there was discussion of um, coming back to um, 
and uh, you know reassessing and um, you know moving forward, creating a new plan. But um, I don't know the dates exactly. Right. Uh, as a hunter and, and watching these commission meetings, uh, it gets a little frustrating sometimes. Um, just watching. Uh, the the influence of of the anti hunting groups involvement and our, our Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission is is changed quite a bit, uh, especially with where uh, Governor Polis sits with some things and the appointed commissioners. Uh, and I see uh, Touchton, if I said his name right, uh, he he is opposed to. Um, or he is very for the reintroduction of wolves. And how is these some of these different viewpoints influencing how CPW manages the wolves? Yeah, you know, CPW is is a broad agency with a broad mission. Um, you know, we are Colorado Parks and Wildlife. So, um, you know, our mission is to perpetuate the wildlife resources of the state, um, provide a quality state park system, and provide enjoyable and sustainable outdoor recreation opportunities that educate and inspire current and future generations um, to serve as active stewards of Colorado's natural resources. And so, you know, by design, the commission represents a broad spectrum of sports persons' interests. Um, the commission, you know, as you said, um, it's a citizen board appointed by the governor with 11 voting members. Um, three of those are sports persons. One of the sports persons must be an outfitter. We have three agricultural producers three recreationalists, and then two at-large members, and a minimum of four of those members must live west of the Continental Divide. And so, um, you know, the members are expected to represent all park and wildlife, park and wildlife related issues, um, regardless of their affiliation. And, um, you know, as the citizen board that sets regulations and policies for CPW, you know, by nature, they influence how CPW operates and manages wildlife um, through a variety of processes, such as the approval of herd management plans or approving um, license number recommendations. Uh, but it's important to know, you know, CPW's wildlife staff um, is almost entirely wildlife biologists. Um, all of our officers um, are all need a biology degree um, to become a wildlife officer. And um, those staff all have the best interests of Colorado's wildlife at heart. And, you know, CPW, you know, we don't vote on the commission, but we play, um, you know, a critical role in making recommendations to the commission. And um, we have, um, you know, dedicated wildlife staff that present to the commission at every meeting advocating for policies that and regulations that they think are in the best interest of, of, of wildlife in Colorado. And, you know, public interest in hunting uh, remains strong um, in Colorado. Hunting license sales continue to be the primary funding source for wildlife management um, projects um, conducted by CPW. Um, but yeah, by nature, you know, the commission um, is going to have an influence on how CPW operates. Thanks for answering that. I know I'm putting you on the spot with with a semi-challenging question, but uh, big one is next where are these wolves going to come from and i've been reading some news articles uh, i think wyoming is is the most outspoken on not from here as from what i what i have seen and read that they're not in support of the management plan and they're not coming from wyoming from what i hear so i i know montana and idaho with uh possible discussions of washington Washington and Oregon, but those states it would probably be pretty tr tricky to do. Uh, 
so what's the because I see the similar conversation or news articles of uh, in Montana and Idaho that there is not any formal discussions happening on those sorts of things. So what yeah. what's the uh, maybe this is just the giant hurdle right now of where are these things coming from? Yeah, well, it was uh, it was critical for us to have this plan in place um, before beginning those formal conversations. And, you know, it's been a, been a long two and a half year process um, to get this plan in, pro, in place. Um, but with the plan in place now, um, those talks are beginning in earnest. And so, you know, uh, formal conversations are happening. Um, you know, I've mentioned the technical working group a lot in here. They were mm-hmm. critical to developing this plan. And, um, you know, our goal is to, um, you know, as recommended by the technical working group, um, to uh, source wolves from northern Rocky states, um, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, or Washington. And um, you know, Wyoming has said that they do not want to provide them, um, but we're confident we can work with some other states to um, find a source population before um, our reintroduction deadline in December. Say that again, which states have said no, not at this time? Yeah, I, I know Wyoming um, has... Uh, publicly said that mm-hmm. they will not not provide them um but we are beginning those formal conversations and okay. you know our plan was uh you know final plan um you know approved back in may and so those conversations are ongoing say you just can't work something out or the state say sure but a million bucks per wolf <laughs> what what do you do i mean this is it's it's the requirement legally for cpw to do this reintroduction but if they're just have exhausted all resources and just cannot get it done what's how do we handle that yeah we're, we're confident we'll be able to find um, a source population um you know these sorts of transfers happen all the time between between state agencies and so we are confident that we will um, find okay. a source uh and other concerns with that are what species of wolf gets gets introduced is because it was already written in their gray wolf correct um that that's the the species so so it could not be timber wolves or um like the mexican gray gray wolf i don't know uh and and potentially there's some moving their way up from the south is yeah, speak to that, but also is Canada even an option or can you not, is that a absolute, we can't, can't go, go across that border? Um, I don't believe Canada has been discussed. Um, you know, just sticking to the technical working groups recommendations, you know, we took, take their recommendations as, as wildlife experts very seriously. Um, they did not want, uh, did not consider, um, Mexican wolves. Um, but, um, you know, did specify gray wolves from northern Rocky states. Got it. Canada or uh, Alaska's out. I wonder if that's even something that's possible. Yeah, I've not seen discussion of Alaska. Hmm. Well, very interesting. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Uh, just with what's next. This management plan is out. It's just a month to, in two days that it has been uh, approved and signed. Uh, so what is next? What's the timeline and uh, how do folks stay informed on all this? Uh, so we do have, um, you can sign up on our website to receive alerts and newsletters. Uh, so we do a, a monthly 
um, Wolfery introduction newsletter that you can get to your email and be notified of, of anything new or changing that's going on. You can also sign up for press releases, uh, any major changes. We would be you know, sending out a press release and would probably be reported on um, by other agencies because this is uh, a definitely a, um, an issue that uh, people are, are keeping, keeping eyes on. So media agencies are usually covering um, anything, any changes that, that are happening. But going forward, our, you know, we're going to be sourcing a, uh, finding a source population and uh, reintroducing wolves uh, by the end of the year. End of the year. Well, yep. that's going to come pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, I'll be in that neck of the woods around September. So I'll be, be uh, um, yeah, uh, interested to, to see what how that all unfolds. And and uh, I, I really encourage, uh, whether you're a participant or pe- folks listening, that uh, for or against whatever, uh, to really look at things with an objective lens that uh, we see things and we want to hear it. And uh, before commenting, too heavily uh, that you get educated and read read a little bit, listen a little bit, uh, and then develop your opinions. Uh, that's I, I drives me nuts to ha- hear ignorant comments, and uh, I, I'm outspokenly not not really for uh, the wolf being reintroduced, but it, it is what it is at this point, and that's besides the point. It's already been voted on. I I spoke my my what I could when I voted, and so that's completely out of my hands at this point. Uh, I did what I could, um, and had those conversations, but now we have to look at this with a different lens. And, uh, I just, I, I am always in support of state agencies considering I work for one, uh, and want to, uh, continue to provide that support. Um, I throw a lot of money at Colorado parks and wildlife. That's where, (laughs) that's my one state that I, uh, I'm all in on my moose, goat and sheep. And I will gladly pay that 2000 plus dollars for one of those tags, uh, to, to, to be able to have that opportunity at one of the Rams in one of the, in the, in the unit that's available for non-residents or a moose or a sheep. So, uh, or goat, but anyway, uh, I always, love to encourage encourage folks to support the agencies and i like that you said and i'll uh, echo that with uh the folks in these agencies are the middlemen uh between all of these the the anti groups the sportsmen's groups uh the conservation groups and all those those folks that have a voice at the table uh that uh, you're in the middle and um it's it's written down that a biologist with an, a, an opinion can't walk up to the commission and, and it is in my opinion, no, it's all very science-based fact driven that this is what they can deliver to use that, to sway the commission to vote one way or the other. Uh, and, and that's how that is, is designed. But, uh, Joey, I want to thank you for chatting us with us about this, uh, difficult conversation or easy conversation, however you look at it. And, uh, um, appreciate your, your time on this. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh, again, if you want to read up on this uh, management plan, uh, where can they go? Um, you can find the entire plan on our website, um, cpw.state.co.us. Um, that's the same place you can sign up for um, those e-news alerts, and yeah, you can view, view the entire plan there. Um, I think I mentioned at the beginning the the actual plan is within the first hundred pages. 
um, the last couple hundred pages are are the recommendations from the technical working group and stakeholder advisory group. Um, all very interesting, but um, you know we do have summaries of each section in there as well. Um, if you want to become more informed, great. All right, Joey, I'll let you go, and thanks again for for setting this up for me. Thank you.